receive the words that God has for us this morning. And let me ask you another question. Who's got their keys this week? Come on, who was blessed by that message? It was convicting me so much so that I went to evangelism on Sunday. Come on, TKL family, you got your keys? You know where your keys are? Engelbrecht family, you got your keys? Come on. Pastor Mike's got his keys. He didn't lose his keys. Listen, our present day vision for this church is magnifying King Jesus to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Colossians 2 verse 6 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. Yeah. What was the purpose of this morning? It was getting to a place where we can now overflow with thanksgiving. Why? Because we're rooted in Him. Isn't it beautiful how the Holy Spirit works through our brother from LCM, Nolan? He's saying, the Lord's calling you to dig your roots deeper so that you might be able to then overflow with thankfulness so that the world might know that they were meant and they were born for more than what they are living right now. Yeah. Do you know that every single one of you carry the keys to the gates of heaven for those who want to enter in? Today is not just your day of salvation. It is called to be someone else's day of salvation today. We're about to shift a culture in this church. We're not defending anything anymore. What do we have to defend? But we are on the offensive this morning. Not just this morning, but for the rest of our days. Because God has set us in a land to set the captive free. Church, it is not lost on your pastors this morning. That there are some in here this morning that are built different. And it is not because of any one of us are bodybuilders. I'm the farthest from that. It's because Christ is forming us into all that he desires us to be. Can you agree with that? Yes. We are being rooted and built up in him, giving us an ample strength to then build up his church. Who's ready to build up his church? I'm looking at some really strong men and women in here. And I think some of you are getting bored. It's time to use what you've been given. Amen? Matthew 16, verse 16, says, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by the flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Church, you have been redeemed and strengthened for a great work and purpose. Do you believe it? Do you half-heartedly believe it, or do you fully believe that? Then it should be shown in your actions. Verse 19 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Think about that. 
We've been talking about keys. We've been talking about you have everything you need to move forward each and every day. But not only do you have keys for yourself, you have the keys to unlock the potential of someone walking into heaven for the first time. Whatever you bind on earth and whatever is bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Come on, do you imagine if we actually began to walk in such authority? Where it's not about tonight's Super Bowl, it's about seeing somebody come into the, fr- the, the freedom of Christ. Yeah. Come on. Peter was given the keys. Where are your keys this morning? Far, far, for far too long, it has been a pattern that those called for his purposes do not move forward. Because they have forgotten that they have been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Imagine if you lived every single second of your day, top of mind that I have the keys to unlock the potential in someone else. We would live differently. And we're going to begin to live differently today. Church, today is your day where you stand with no excuse. And we need to hold each other accountable to that very thing. That if you're not doing the will of God, what are you doing with your life? And be able to look at each other in in the eyes and say, brother, sister, you're not doing what you're called to do. Is the type of accountability we must live in now because they must see him. They must receive him. This land must yield its fruit. We We were included in Yahweh's greater purpose. We have to begin to live like it. It's a beautiful thing like Peter to now take part in building his body upon the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And to be a faithful son who now is called to be his bodybuilders. So saints, today our message is titled Bodybuilders. Come on, say bodybuilders. We need a little bit of a response from you today. We are completely preaching today on you and all of the leadership team at this church going into a posture of action okay you did not come this morning to receive another good teaching another piece of equipment to put on your suit of armor so that you can sit at home and do nothing you didn't come in today for another heavy piece of equipment that you don't actually go out and use today is a call to action and if you don't respond to us today we're going to stay on the same point and shout until you do respond amen Amen. We expect a response from you today. Say amen. Amen. There we go. Thank you. Church, we see each of you growing in your faith daily as individuals, as families, as teams. And these are things that we, amongst your pastors, have been witnessing, and they're things that we have all been growing in as well. They are necessary things. Say, these things are necessary. Yet they are building blocks to something greater. These things that we've been growing in and the challenges that we've had to face are the things that eventually enable us to become a thriving body that is building up his body in this room, in our city, in the DFW region, in the United States of America, and eventually every one of us will get to see the global impact that Remnant Church will have Amen. on the world. Amen. Come on. Are you all excited about yes! that? Are you excited about that? So this morning I want to start off on a very bold 
and strong footing because you're all excited, right? Y'all yeah. y'all just don't seem very excited. You're like, yeah. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. Thank you, Linda. Come on. Turn to Colossians 1. Say bodybuilder when you get there. Come on, we're not talking about that activity of vanity that some like to participate in where you end up staring in the mirror at yourself, complimenting every contour of your muscularity or complaining at your lack thereof. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about seeing the body of Christ built on the face of the earth. Are y'all excited about that? That is so much better than staring at yourself in the mirror, both for your personal physique and even your personal maturity and spiritual stature going out and seeing the body of Christ built up is so much better than standing in a mirror and critiquing yourself the rest of your life we're going to see the body of Christ built up come on man I heard that steroids makes your faith shrink man you can't fake those results are y'all in Colossians 1 Find verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything, say in everything, in everything, he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, say all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now today's message is called bodybuilders. And we didn't do that just to do that. Right? So when you have read this passage, just imagine the baddest dude in the gym walking in and saying, I own this place. Dylan Tekel. <laughs> That's a pretty good example. But Jesus walks into the gym and he's like, so y'all ready to get to work? Imagine the best personal trainer you've ever had in your life. Jamie. And this dude is ripped as all get out. And he's saying, I hold the keys to death in Hades. And in me, everything has its breath. I created all things and by me, all things are created. I am moving in and through each and every person in this room and each and every soul upon this earth. And you're gonna come with me and we're gonna change the world. Come on, sign me up. That's the baddest dude in the gym. Come on. <laughs> so y'all turn the page over to Colossians 2. And maybe we'll actually start our message this morning. Colossians 2.6 says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Are you guys overflowing with thankfulness this morning? Yes. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow, hollow, 
and deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And watch this. You have been given the fullness in Christ. Amen. Who is the head over every power and authority? Saints, what does this mean for us? It means that we have received everything that Christ is. We have received the fullness of Christ. And he has imparted that to us. And this morning we are going to continue to dig in to what it means to build up the body as a whole. And when I say build up the body, I don't mean your leadership team. I mean every single one of you in this room. Every Amen. single one of us in this room are building up this body so that we can reach that body. Yeah, come on. Amen. 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 Hey, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 3 through 5 says, But the Lord is faithful. And he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence, the apostle said. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things that we have commanded. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. You are doing and will continue to do the things we command. How true is that for some of you? And how not true is that for some of you? It is the fullness of Christ that we receive all of Christ's perseverance. Yeah. And his perseverance will finish its work in us. Amen. With that all being said, then we should be an assurance to the world that heaven will come to earth here in Denton, Texas. Amen? Because we will not stop until we see Christ's work completed in us. Yeah. Our hearts are being directed daily in his scriptures, rejuvenated in his presence, and our eyes solely focused on his body being built up in its utmost holy faith. A faith that makes movement. A faith in love that overrides our carnal nature. And a daring faith that does righteousness before ever bending its knee to common living and carnal thoughts. A faith that sees broken families restored. A faith that sees our bosses saved, handing over the wealth of the wicked to the righteous. But saints, better yet, a faith that causes us to take one step forward every single day never turning back to our old natures that died in christ Amen. come on we can talk about bosses being saved families being restored but if we don't take one step forward each day what are we doing we want to take dominion over this land but we can't even take dominion over our sin that we hide but we're moving past that today. Today's a day to move forward, one step at a time. If you don't feel adequate, he makes you adequate. Walk forward each day, and son, watch what he makes of you. You have no excuse this morning, church. You are all built different. It's God's love which propels us, and Christ's perseverance in us that will call us to be a people who shines bright for his glory. Do you want to see this accomplished? Do you? Yes. It starts with you. 
2 Corinthians 8, verse 11 says, Now finish the work that you so eagerly, so your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. That's a timely word, right? We have a lot. I'm not questioning your willingness, but we should all question, is it matched by our completion? I, think, I believe every single one of you desire to see his kingdom reign on the earth, right? Am I right? It must be matched with the completion of it, though, according to your means. Church, let our willingness produce in us finishing his work. Amen. For many are willing. Many, 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 many are willing. Go talk to any Christian. Are they willing? Yeah, it's one thing to be willing, but it's another thing to do it. Let our willingness to do it match your completion of it. Now, before you guys look at the end of that verse where it says, according to your means, and think, well, I'm broke. I don't have any money. Well, my schedule is just really full, Pastor. You don't understand. I work six to some ungodly hour in the, in the evening. Oh, we're coming for you this morning. And I've got kids at home. Sometimes they're always sick. Sometimes they're always cranky. Sometimes they just can't seem to get a little bit of joy on their face, which makes me angry and cranky. Makes me lose my patience. Man, I got this basketball game to watch. Or what about that game tonight? What's that game called? The poop bowl. The toilet bowl. I think it's the Browns and the something else. Okay, well, it may as well be. Um, but those are all things that you could say, well, according to my means, I can't produce anything. I can't give anything. I don't have anything to give. Do you have something to give? Yeah. You do. Then this morning, we need to start giving what we have. I don't care if it's 10 cents. I don't care if it's an hour of your day, five hours of your day, or your whole day. We're going to step into action this morning, and we're going to start doing things. Yeah. And it's, it says according to your means, but guess what? Like I said, your means could be 10 cents. Your means could be a million dollars. It doesn't matter. Because Christ is in the fullness. Christ is the fullness in every single one of us. Yeah. Your leadership team is not meant to do any of this alone. And we need you guys, everyone in this room, to partner with us. We're breaking the barrier that is set up in this body that says just because they are called to something means that I can't do anything. That this morning we are ripping out of this church. We're not putting up with it anymore. Because the truth is there's no hierarchy in the body. We're all on the same mission. And the truth of the matter is this. Christ is the centrality of all things. He is the head over all things. He is the conqueror over all things. And you know what? Therefore, we are equipped for the task at hand because the same Christ that lives in me is the very same Christ that lives in each one of you in this room. Amen. We are building on an offensive mentality that doesn't let things just slip by anymore. So those days and weeks of unspoken sin or depression or anxiety or you name it we can't put up with that anymore yeah. that's a defensive mentality that says how how far can i go you think without the enemy stealing everything that i have how much did. of this last bit can i hold on to if he could just not take this i'll give him everything else but if he could just not take this what kind of attitude is that yeah 
You are welcoming the enemy into your camp saying, here's my weapon and I'm going to defend it. You can take everything but not my weapon. What are you supposed to use your weapon for? You're supposed to use your weapon to fight. But you're trying to guard your weapon. We don't guard our weapons in this church. We use them as we're supposed to. Last week, Pastor Michael preached a message that gave us our keys. And even further so, Pastor Michael gave each and every one of you in this room permission to be who all you are called to be in Christ. And this week, we are going to start unraveling some, some of those things and what they mean to us. Because the Lord has a lot of good things in store for Remnant Church. Amen? Guys, if to close out one of the prior points that Pastor Landon and Pastor Devin brought up, if you have a hard time understanding the idea of giving according to your means or giving even over your means, right? If you, have a, if you feel like you have a hard time understanding that, please go and study 2 Corinthians chapter 8 this evening. Go and understand. I'm going to read just two verses of it to you because this is kind of the daring faith that Pastor Devin was just talking about. It says, Now, brothers, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which was given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation and the support of the saints. Come on, we... Church, your pastorate in this room, you and your families here in this room, we are all turning away from the calculated, careful, predictable, commonplace lifestyle that has been mentioned this morning. Come on, we have, our life is but a vapor, it's but a mist in our time here on this earth. Are you going to see the kingdom of God built upon this earth, or are you going to see your own kingdom built upon this earth? Come on, we have to beg for the opportunity for the support of the saints. We have to beg for the opportunity. Lord, say, I don't want my neighbor to get to give first. I want to give first. I want to bleed first. I want to sweat first. Come on, this is the faith that this church is going to grow in this morning. Let me return back to my notes. <laughs> so today, we're not only talking about the centrality of Christ. We're also moving into this morning how maturation and is different from building up and building out. Maturation is good. Yeah. Being built up in the most holy faith is good. But James, among many other scriptures in our Bible, described that faith without action means nothing. You say that you do this and that. You say that you want to do this or that. You say that you will do this or that. Who cares? Stop talking and start doing. Do something about it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and the same varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for common good. 
For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. We're talking about the difference from maturation, that's inward bodybuilding, to disciple-making and a bold proclamation of your faith. A bold proclamation, church. A bold proclamation. Your Father knows what you do in secret and in public. Only focusing inwardly on your personal knowledge and maturity and theory is hardly faith at all. Let me offend you one more time this morning. I hope that this is not something that you stumble over this morning. But if you do, please go to your father in heaven and let him put you back together. Your faith that points you into going into your house, studying your scriptures until your eyes grow tired and you can't read anymore. Staring at your screen, watching YouTube sermons, listening to Bethel music on your TV is not living out your faith. Faith in action will show by souls in your locale, by souls in your area being touched by the presence of God. And we will see the manifestation of the gifts even, more so among those who are already in this room. And we will see other people come into this church because Holy Spirit himself was working through you, was working through me, was working through Pastor Devin and every one of you in this room. We have to live a life out loud so that all may come to know him. That we may be bodybuilders, not only growing in our personal knowledge, like every other church here in this not-so-glorious Bible Belt, but instead, growing in our, but instead growing in the manifestation of every blessing and gift from heaven here in this single local church by way of souls being saved, set free, spirit-filled, and equipped for every corporate manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all turn to Acts 4. We're going to continue to build upon this point. Are y'all with us this morning? Say bodybuilders. Bodybuilders. Acts 4, 13 through 14. It says, now when they saw, oh, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Come on. Church. Like a man who slams the weight down after hitting a personal best, weight goal, we must press into others' lives with that same level of boldness. Let me speak to you as a pastor this morning, to this congregation. So many of you are worried about being proven wrong when it's your fruit that proves you right. 
I think we backed up a little bit the day that people started writing articles about us. Because we're so afraid to be proven wrong. I think that the day that we realized, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them that. I'm going to show them that. No, we're not a cult. We're not a this. We're not a that. We're, we're sons of God. We're going to defend ourselves. Is the day that we lost our, our fire to go see souls saved. We become so offended and so worried and concerned about others thinking that we're something that we're not, that we just back down and we just offend and play it safe. But it's our fruit that proves our faith. It's not what we don't do anymore. It's about what, about what we do. So today is the day to gain that tenacity again, to see the city set on fire. And I don't give a damn who throws stones. It is our king who holds us in his hands. And he's sovereign to show us that we will see victory in this land. Amen. Men like Peter and John never let the idea of being proven wrong affect their momentum in the kingdom. Because they knew that they walked with the Son of God. Don't let others' poor response to eat my flesh and drink my blood affect your faithfulness to the field that God has called you to harvest. Because there's a remnant who are hungry and thirsty. There's a remnant who is hungry and thirsty. And they are just waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. You must display his glory. You cannot hide anymore. And do not defend yourself. Run in the offensive today. Turn to John 4. John 4, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you have no, know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Verse 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish the work. Say, my food. My food. Say, my food. My food. One more time. Say, my food. My food. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. His food, the thing that rejuvenates, strengthens, carries the Christ strength is to finish his father's work. So you ask yourself this morning, why do I am not feel, why am I not feeling strong? It's because you're not faithfully tending the father's field. My food. Could you imagine if we treated his will like our food? How many times do you eat a day? Maybe three. If you're John eats once a day. I feel bad for him. I give him like my hot pocket or like some chips that I brought for lunch because I know he doesn't eat lunch. But he does the Father's will. And church, it's time for us to all finish his work. Do you say, verse 35, do you say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open up your eyes 
and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. I'm speaking with great passion because this was a word that was given to me this last week that's corrected me and fashioned me and formulated me to even be able to preach this word to you this morning. Open up your eyes. How many maybe next times do you have until you're considered faithless? Jesus said, open up your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. How many more times? Let's, this should be able to get a little riper. I'm, I don't know. Let's wait another week. Let's wait another week. Let's wait another week. I'm not ready for it. I'm not ready for it. At one point, does that become faithless? And then the opportunity rots and falls to the ground. And you got to take no part in it. And for those who are working, who run and run and run, but never quite yield the fruit that you're looking for, you need to consider whose field you're plowing. For those who are in a, a scramble, who I never have enough time, Pastor, we, me and my wife have been getting in the Word. We've been doing this and that thing. I've been working hard like you've been telling us to, but we're just not yielding the fruit that we need to yield. It's like, then you're obviously not tending to the field that you should tend to. Because those who tend in his field will receive fruit. I'm going to give you two different scenarios, and then Pastor Kaysen's going to blow you up with Acts 16. But I want to talk about those who wait for something to happen versus those who are fooled that they're plowing the right field. So many times, first example, we sit around and we wait for somebody to do it whenever you were the called to be the one to do it yourself. We're not going to wait anymore. Nobody's going to provoke you to do anything anymore. If you don't, you're going to get passed by. That's just how it is. And God's going to be faithful to grow you up. But what I'm trying to tell you, church, is today, don't be left behind. Don't wait another day for something to happen. Don't have your pastors come up to you and say, hey, have you been sowing into other people's life? Don't even let that question be asked to you. Because, of course, your pastors love you. We won't abandon you to the realm of death. But there will also be areas where we'll just pass you by, and the only way to fix it is you getting up and doing something about it. We want to break that circle or that resounding gong or that broken record that you've been living in. And for those who have fooled themselves, Pastor, I'm busy. I'm doing this. I'm showing up to every single meeting. Yeah, but your wife says that you neglect her. And she talks to my wife about it. Yeah, some of y'all are like, man, pastor read my mail. He must have received a word from the Lord. No, it was your children telling on you. Let me tell you something. We spend much time with these husbands and they never talk to us about their wives. And wives spend a lot of time with wives and just talk about their husbands with them all day. Mostly complaining. That is an indictment. That is an indictment to your leadership and it is a proven fact that you have been plowing the wrong field. Come on. Today is a day to start plowing the right field. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm saying this to wake you up. We want to be plowing the right field. I want to be plowing the right field. Can I be transparent with you? There's been areas in my life I haven't plowed the right field. Yes. But now I am. It's easy as that. Get up, go back into the right field. And reap the rewards and blessing of it. And men, you are capable. You are trained. 
You have everything you need to be a godly husband. Amen. Women, you have every single thing, regardless of your husband, to be a godly wife. Come on. It's about body building. It's about building the body. At some point, we have to stop focusing so much on ourselves. Amen. Listen, in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 1, it says, Paul came to Derb and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Sounds a lot like Jesus, right? It's come and be with me. Jesus went on the mountain and called to him those whom he wanted. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. Come on, there had been a meeting in Jerusalem. And the things that had been decided on, Paul and now Timothy, who was accompanying him, is bringing the decisions that had been made to the churches in Derb and Lystra and in their surrounding regions. It says, so the churches, in verse 5, were strengthened in the faith. Come on, that's good. That's that, that's that inward growth that, we're talk, that we've Amen. been talking about. The maturation of your faith. The development of your faith. But what does it say right after that? And they increased in numbers daily. Evidence. The fruit. The evidence that their faith was growing inwardly was that people's lives around them were being affected outwardly. Come on, y'all. Do you stop and consider for your own life today? What lives are being changed around you? Or what people have you already said aren't even worth going after because you already pre-disqualified them from getting changed by the Holy Ghost? Oh, man. What if, what if somebody did that to you? You wouldn't be sitting in this room today. Not many of you were qualified before you got filled with the Holy Spirit and stepped in here. What if somebody would have pre-disqualified you, Christina? What about you, John? What if somebody would have said, nah, he just ain't worth it. We'll leave him right where he's at. John Hart? Y'all, we have a responsibility as disciples of Christ to grow in our faith inwardly and see the manifestation of it by lives changed around us outwardly. It's a good word. Listen, this is what growing disciples one life at a time looks like. One life changed by one man on a mission is one small participation. In verse 5, being the churches were strengthened in faith and growing in numbers daily. What, what happened before that? It says that Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him in the work that he was doing. What did he do? He said, I want you, Timothy, and you're going to come with me. But you know how we know that the apostolic and fivefold leadership in these churches were not the only ones doing it? Because it says that every one of the churches were growing in number daily. 
So there's no way that only Paul was doing this. There's no way that only one or two leaders at each of these local churches were doing it. If the churches were growing by number every single day, that means that some disciples were putting in some work. That means that some disciples were living their faith out loud, boldly and tenaciously. One life changed by one man is just one component and whole regions of churches growing in numbers daily. Listen to how this goes. Regions are made up by cities. Cities are made up, like, cities are just a, a conglomerate of one single city and all their neighboring ones. So it goes from regions to cities, cities to a single city. A single city will have many churches in it, but under many churches is just one single church. And inside that one church, there are many disciples. But in, from those disciples, there was one disciple who just decided to get up and move that day. There was you making one disciple in your life. And then from that one disciple in your life, you see disciples and a church and churches and a city and cities and whole regions moved on by the gospel, by the spirit of God being changed because you were faithful to go and bear fruit in even just one person. Remnant Church, according to the apostolic model displayed in our scriptures, we are not called to just gather a few people, sing some songs, speak in tongues, prophesy, and know more scripture. Those are all really good things, but it's where we start from. Everything starts there, but we must follow the model prescribed by the scriptures and that we just read off to you. Then we will see whole regions changed. We won't, in, in years to come, we won't be talking about whether or not Denton's being impact, impacted because we're going to see every one of your families with their boots on the ground here in Denton serving and loving the people here in a way that they come into contact with Christ. Then we'll be talking about, man, did you hear that something broke out in Fort Worth the other day? Did you hear that something broke out in McKinney the other day? What about in Garland the other day? What about street ministry in downtown Dallas? Did you hear that a movement of the Spirit broke out there? And it's because you were faithful to go and make disciples today. Come on, as Pastor Kaysen began to beginning to expand your vision. Isn't it beautiful to think that it's not just about Remnant Church? How about the churches in this, in this city? Can you play a part in rejuvenating pastors to be able to shepherd their sheep in the way that God intended them to? What if we thought outside of ourselves? We're not building a brand. I, I think t-shirts are cool, but, I th but it's not about this. It's about the churches. The churches of the one association. The greater churches and the nations. But what about the Baptist church down the road that if they just had the Holy Spirit, everything would change? Let's turn to 1 Timothy 2 and say bodybuilder when you get there. church is a part of our culture how about instead of hurling insults at the people that don't have it right you go and show them how to do it i'm done bad-mouthing churches from the pulpit but never extending my graces to a brother that if he just knew what we knew he would be walking in the authority that he was intended to it's better to help somebody because you know who accuses the enemy 
and we are not enemies in this land. We are to bring salvation. You there? First of all, then I urge you that intricacies and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. For kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all goodness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator, also between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and apostle. I'm telling the truth. I am not lying. As a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray. Lift up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Men in the room, listen to me. The NASB catches this better than, than maybe some of our looser gender-neutral, modern-day, more liberal translations of the word. It says, I want the men in every place to pray. The men in every place to pray. Come on. This does not mean that the women or the children cannot pray. This means that as godly figures of authority, you as the head of your household should pray and you should lead your family in prayer if your wife doesn't know how to pray you've been tending the wrong field if your kids don't know what prayer is as a family you've been tending the wrong field paul says i want excuse me timothy says i want the men in every room to pray amen your prayers, your faithfulness, and your thanksgiving is not only to make you feel better about yourself. It's not a checklist. Praying, being faithful, and being thankful are not just to make you feel better about yourself. They're not just to build your innermost holy faith. They're good, but they're not for you. Prayers, faithfulness, and thanksgiving should be outward. In appearance. There are a few reasons for that. One, well, there's actually three reasons. One is so that your family might know how to do these things well. That your wife and your kids might glean from a godly, authoritative example in their life and do it well. Two, so that people outside of your home might see these things in you. Not so that you can shame them by how well you pray or how well you do the things you've been told. Or how overwhelmingly thankful you are. Thankfulness is not just spewing words to God. Thankfulness is an attitude. Thankfulness is something that rises up in you that says, man, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Therefore, what I have to give the Lord is my everything. He's been nothing but good to me. One, your family might know how to pray. Two, those around you in this room, in this city, might see you and know how to do these things. And three, so that you can rightly intercede for the city themselves. Saints, intercession can also mean to intercept something. So when you intercede for your 
sister or your brother or your mom or dad or your nieces or your nephews or maybe just a friend you met on the square the other day. When you intercede for somebody, you are actually intercepting the will that the enemy has for their life. And you are putting your foot down in the middle of your intercession and saying no more. Enemy, you cannot have my brother, my sister, my father, my mother. You cannot have my family members and watch me do something about it and actually do something about it. When we intercede for our family and our friends, we're intercepting the plans of the enemy. When we intercede for the nations, what about the nation of Israel? The centrality of God's eye, the love of God's eye, his heart rests with Israel. What does that mean when you intercede for Israel? It means that you are intercepting the plans the enemy has to ruin the people that are on God's heart. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's a real big deal. Yes. And when we rightly intercede and rightly intercess for everybody around us, and most importantly, the apple of God's eye, then we begin to see forward movement and an offensive mentality. Right? So this is how we build the body of Christ. It starts with each and every one of us, and it grows to where it's a group of us, and it grows to a group of disciples within those groups, and it moves into the city, and we start seeing pocket revivals bust out on the square. And we start seeing it bust out in the restaurants that we go to, in the family members' houses that we go to. When you go on a mission trip, you can expect nothing less than the Lord to move. When our pastors go to Indonesia, We expect nothing less for the Lord to do something amazing and mighty because the Lord is good. Church, this is an outward focus. This is what it looks like to be outwardly focused. This morning, we're moving from a defensive posture to an offensive posture. Who's ready to move on the offensive? Yeah, come on. Turn to Joshua 1. Joshua, you better be in Joshua 1. And somebody say bodybuilder when they get there. Oh, there they are. Come on, say it with some chutzpah. Bodybuilders! So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. I'm going to read that one more time. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Go throughout the camp and tell the people, get your possessions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Your leaders are instructing you this morning. Pastor Kaysen, Pastor Landon, and I are instructing you this morning that now is the time of advancement. And we must not spend another second delaying. Husbands, turn to your wife and tell her, now is the time for advancement. Now is the time for advancement. Wives, turn to your children and tell them, now is the time for advancement. Wow, that is so quiet. We're going to redo this. Husbands, turn to your wife and tell them, now is the time for advancement with authority. Wives, turn to your children and tell them, now is the time for advancement. And single men and women, tell the peoples around you, now is the time for advancement. Come on. Church, I'm sick and tired of seeing our singles and our teenagers going out to evangelize, but none of any other of you wanting to go. This was part of my conviction last week. 
I was seeing that we've became a habit that, yeah, those who actually have a burning fire for the Lord should go and do it. Because I've been tending my own field this week. I know it's getting really quiet in here, and I'm not even asking you to go every week. But have you excluded yourself? Have you said, "Mm, that's something my child does? Well, that's what the singles do. They don't have as much responsibility as me. Really, what is your responsibility then? Your responsibility is this land. Now is the time for advancement. Let me clarify. It's not even about going every Sunday, but is your heart willing? Yeah. And if it's willing, complete its work. Man. Y'all turn to Judges chapter 6. A few pages over. In Judges chapter 6, I think that we have a great example. It happens to be a very important passage for my family. It kind of constitutes our enti- the entire ministry we believe that God's called us to. But what we see here in this, in this chapter and in this story with Gideon is now today, mine and Kendall's favorite thing to see on the face of the planet is that to see those who consider themselves pitiful, poor, and pathetic becoming valiant heroes. Pastor Landon, start us off in verse 7. Verse 7. When the people of Israel cried out to Adonai because of Midian, Adonai sent a prophet to the people of Israel, who said to them, Adonai, the God of Israel, says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of a life of slavery, And I delivered you from the power of the Egyptians and from the power of all your oppressors. I drove them out ahead of you and I gave you their land. And I said to you, I am Adonai your God, and you are not to be afraid of the gods of the Emory in whose land you are living, but you paid no attention to what I said. Then the angel of Adonai came and sat under the pistachio tree in Ophrah that belonged to Yoash and Evi, Avi Ezri. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from Midian. The angel of Adonai appeared to him and said to him, You valiant hero! Say, you valiant hero. Valiant hero. Adonai is with you. Man. Come on, there's a man who is doing his work. He's doing his job, making sure the family's provided for, but living under the dominion of Midian or strife. Now, it's good. We've been getting getting men to at least want to get up and go to work. That's good. But under the dominion of strife, there is, and the dominion of Midian... And the spiritual is absolutely obvious here in this land that we live in. So how often, men, can we, can we be threshing out wheat in a wine press, hiding from all of the enemies in the territory? Do you do your work of harvesting and turning that harvest into something that you can consume or something that pleases God? Do you do that work in private because you're afraid of what everybody else thinks about you in public? Do you do these things in fear and anxiety because you're concerned what other people would have to say about you or what they would think about your family? 
It's to even those like myself, like you here in this room, that the angel of the Lord, which really means Jesus, but Jesus shows up to Gideon and says, you valiant hero, you valiant hero, Adonai is with you. Come on, if there is any part of you today that still feels like I'm not able, I'm, I'm not strong enough, I'm not good enough, The Lord speaks over you today. You valiant hero, I am with you. My father is with you. Come on, continue in verse 13. Verse 13, excuse me, sir. (laughs) Excuse me, sir, answered Gideon. But if Adonai is with us, then why is all this happening to us? And where are all his miracles that our ancestors told us about when they said... Didn't Adonai bring us up from Egypt? For now, Adonai has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. The Lord shows up to a man whose life sucks. I I mean, he can't even go out in the open and reap his own harvest in, in Shalom. Enemies will come through and kill him and his friends if they stay out in the open for too long. So an angel of the Lord, Jesus, shows up to Gideon in the wine press, calls him a valiant hero. As if whatever celestial or heavenly being this is doesn't know who Gideon really is. <laughs> says, you valiant hero, Adonai is with you. And His responses, and many times our responses can be, excuse me? Sir, listen, if you were actually with us, if Adonai is actually with us, then why are all these bad things happening? If God was really with us, if God really performed miracles, if people really did get filled with the Holy Spirit, if all these miraculous works really did happen, why don't I see them today? Why, why, why isn't that happening all around me? Why aren't other people doing it? I don't know. You were the one who was called Valiant Hero. Get up. Get up. Get up. Come on. This is exactly the way the Lord approached me when I first met him face to face years ago. He came and told me to stop building my kingdom, start building his, and that he would take care of the rest. And he told me to get up and move. Church, we can so often have so many excuses for him. We even started with, excuse me, sir. He comes and prophesies a valiant faith over us. And we're like, um, excuse me, I can't do that. And what happens next, Pastor Lena? 14 says, Adonai turned to him and said, Go in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hands of Midian. Have I not sent you? But Gideon answered him again and said, Forgive me, my Lord, but with what exactly am I to save Israel? Why, my family is the poorest in Manasseh. And I'm the youngest person in my father's house. And yet Adonai said to him, because I will be with you, you will strike down Midian as easily as if they were just one man. Come on, because I will be with you. 
because I will be with you, says the Lord. Then you will strike down every enemy that comes against you and your people and my people, says God. And you will strike them down so easily that it will look as if it was just one man that you were going against. How much time are you spending counting the efforts, the strength, or the numbers of your enemy more than you are considering what God has prophesied over you? Come on, we'll start calculating. There was a whole famine that hit Israel whenever David did that. He got so wise. He got so smart. He started counting how many people he had with him. And what happens? A whole famine hits the land. And I tell you, having knowledge and wisdom is good, and God will ask you to use it for his glory and to build his kingdom. But the second it starts stepping on your valiant faith, it has completely become useless. Your ability to calculate and tell God how impossible his mission is, is not what he has intended for you to do with your life. James 4, verse 13. Now listen to you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why do you... Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Sorry. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Could someone have, sorry, my one note's being demonic right now. Here we go. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Church, don't let this be another day where you say amen from the crowd, but knew nothing with what you hear. That is sin to you now. Be men and women of action and watch what beautiful things come from your life. It's simple. Ezekiel 37, verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he had commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. He said to them, Son of man, these are the bones of the whole house of Israel. They say, O bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, O people. I'm going to open your graves. And bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I opened your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And I have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. You are the bones. Resurrected to become a witness. 
So many times we focus on Elijah prophesying to these bones. But have you ever considered that God raised you from your grave? Now you are then called to march like an army to the land that God has uh, settled you in and say, Hey, look, I'm a testament to Adonai raising up a dead man from the grave. And I say to you, turn to him and he'll take you out of your grave as well. Dry bones will hear the word of the Lord in this place called the graveyard. And then we will wake up to the realities of the kingdom through the actions of our lives being displayed to others. It's time that you build up the body. Come on, somebody say bodybuilders. Bodybuilders. Church, we're going to close out today's message with speaking over you even Jesus's words of the Great Commission and maybe even bring to light some very practical application that we can all begin to carry out together. Are you still with us? Come on. John chapter 4 verse 31. John 4 31. Meanwhile his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. Church, our food is to do the will of the Father who formed us. To do the will of the Father who formed us. Now, you might be saying over yourself today, just like what Gideon said in his pit. You might be saying, what do I have to offer? What can a man like me, a woman like me, or a family like us possibly do for the people in this land? Well, we're glad that you asked. Say, what can I do? What can I do? Say, what can I do? What can I do? Do you live in a house? Do you live in an apartment? Even a trailer park? Where do you live? Is is anyone homeless in this room? No, no one is homeless. Wow, you know what that means? You got neighbors. That's a really great place to start, right, Dylan Tekel? We even have new neighbors. Yes. New houses. We got people moving even over the next three to six months, probably. We've got new territory, new neighbors, new environments that... You say God told you to buy or rent that house in that area. So he must want you, he must want some of those neighbors on that block to receive what you have. The assumption is that whatever people reside next to you are meant to receive what you have. And if they don't receive it, our Bible gives us really clear instructions for that. Brush the dust off your feet, forget about them and move on okay you have neighbors try bringing a meal to them invite them into your home and in your life where they can see you shine where they can see your way of life where they can maybe even get on them a little bit of that shalom that you have in your home where they can see the abundant joy and the thanksgiving that overflows out from your family you know, to Pastor, Pastor Kaysen's point, as of the year 2020, 
There are over 47,000 households in Denton, Texas. Each on average made up of about three members. Do that math. Family establishments represent almost 60% of these homes. I'll let Devin get into the amount of college students there are in this town. But right now, let's focus on families for a second. Over 60% of the population in Denton represents families. With families comes children. With families come generations. Again, it's pretty irresponsible of us to say that the harvest is coming up short. It seems like, instead, the workers are few and far between. But I think we're working on changing that this morning, amen? Amen. Church, there's 65,000 college students in Denton. Minimum. And it's growing. That is 65,000 different generations that you have the responsibility of impacting in your days here on this earth. That is to say that there is more than enough things to do. You should never be bored. There's never a lack of opportunity for the kingdom to be advanced. That would be delusional to think. It's time to be that which your father has intended for this body to be. How about some of you go to the, the union at UNT and share a meal with somebody that has never encountered the love of the Father that you've experienced before? Yeah. How about you go to Harvest House on a Saturday night and you run into a young man that if he just knew how to lead, he would lead himself right into Christ. How about that? Men, where do you spend most of your days, Monday through Friday, 8 to 6, or 8 to 11.30, if you're... Work! If you have a job at all, man or woman in this room, raise your hand in the air. Wow. Awesome. Amen. Put your hands down. Repeat after me. God... Has filled me with this Holy Spirit so that I will be a witness to the whole earth. Repeat after me again. I will have faith that God can save and spirit fill. Y'all better be saying it with me. I will restart this whole thing over again. Can save and spirit fill. Even my coworkers, workers and even my bosses, and even my bosses, and especially my family members, and especially my family members. Repeat after me again. I, I will not, will not exercise faithless speech, exercise faithless speech about my coworkers, about my coworkers, family members, family members, bosses, bosses, and strangers, and strangers. Listen. You can, don't stop, don't copy me again. We're done with that. Just listen to me now. You can go to work, take a lunch break, ask a coworker to just sit with you, 
Just talk to them. Stop being awkward and weird about it. Just spend some time with the people. It's not strange. It's not weird to socialize. Talk to them. Spend time with them. Maybe you go and buy them lunch with the last $15 you have in your bank account. Just look for the opportunity for, to put some blood, sweat, and tears in the offering. And then believe in faith that God will see that seed bear fruit in that person in front of you. Believe that that last $15 that buys their lunch is going to be the seed that then causes a change in that soul. And then sets off an entire chain reaction of generations of souls saved in their family. Come on. If somebody would come up and do that today, would go and do that tomorrow when they go to work, I promise you we will start to see chain reactions of revival break out in our town. Church, if you're committed to seeing the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, stand with us this morning. It's good to know that you guys can get up. Are we going to do something about it this morning? Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority, say all authority. All authority. In heaven and on earth has been given to me. Say me. Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. Say always. Always. Say to the very end. To To the the very very end. Remnant, we have all been saved, set free, spirit filled, and set apart to build the body of Christ. Here in this land where he's placed us, we will touch many lands. Amen. But this land right here comes first for this church. Yes. You all will do nothing more out there than what you practice in here. And you will not do greater works in another land than what you do in this land right here. This church is absolutely, positively going on the offensive. I hope you understand that today. Do you want to see those college campuses turn into places of revival? Yes. Do you want to see families and people saved by the power of God in your own homes, in your own living rooms, and right here among these people? This will require you, your families, and your friends in this room to receive this word that you've been given today in your hearts. We are called to be body builders, and we will see the body of Christ built up in this land. Raise up your hands. We're going to pray. Lord God, I'm asking that this great willingness in this room turn into action. Well, God, we're not going to spend another day thinking that we're inadequate for the work that you have for us. Lord, today we are taking the offensive. Lord God, for we have nothing to defend. We don't defend our lives anymore. Lord, the poor man hears no threat. Lord, the poor man hears no threat, Lord God, and we have become poor, Lord, that so you might be, Lord, uh, made known in this city here while we are on this earth. So, God, I'm asking that you give the men and women courage in this place this morning. Lord God, to leave behind, Lord, a life that is not worth, Lord, what you paid, Lord, with your blood. Lord, and today, Lord God, I'm asking that a willingness turn into action. Lord, that people would fall into repentance, Lord God, and it would come by returning to the field that you called them and intended them, Lord, to plow from the very beginning. Lord, I'm asking that you shake us up, God. Shake us up, Lord. Lord God, so that others might live, Lord. 
Lord, and not let another day pass us by. Lord, this isn't another revival crusade. Lord, this isn't stadium Christianity, Lord God. This is one step forward every day. I won't back down, not one second. I won't compromise one second. For, Lord, you are far more worth it than anything else in this life. You are far more worth it than anything else in this life. Lord God, for with everything you've given me, I pour it out on others. Lord, and let me not become a man who carries Saul's armor. Lord, we've already learned enough. We have your Holy Spirit. Lord, we already have enough, Lord, for our food is to do the will of the Father and complete its work. Lord, it's enough. You are enough for us. Lord God, so I'm asking, Lord, that, Lord, if there's those men in this room who have had a trouble moving forward, I'm asking that by your Holy Spirit you completely wreck their fear right now. Lord, you have made these men more than capable. You've made them righteous. You've made them holy in your sight. Lord, so we don't operate in faithlessness anymore. Lord God, but our, our foundation comes from the rock. Christ Jesus, the overcomer, the king of the earth. Lord, so today we take dominion over all things. Lord, and we walk out of this room and out of this place, turning the key on the offensive, no longer defending. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.